Great. Um, Welcome back. We have returned from Davy Jones's locker. We have emerged with bread. Otherwise known as we took a five minute break, went to the bathroom, <laughs> and now we're here again. <laughs> but where's the fun in that, Aaron? Where's the fun in that? anyway welcome back friends <laughs> welcome back indeed welcome back to the thick list still coming to you from quarantine from quarantine that hasn't changed in the last seven minutes <laughs> Aaron, don't 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 do this <laughs> <laughs> don't don't pull back the curtain yeah don't pay attention to, what's the quote pay no attention to the man behind the curtain too late it's happening already so have you ever heard that theory uh, i heard this theory once and i, I know, i've never been able to prove it because the moment i start thinking about it I, it's like basically disproved i heard a theory once someone says you can't go a whole day without coming in contact or hearing at least one wizard of oz reference that i've never heard and i've never been able to prove it because the moment i start thinking about wizard of oz i'm like oh shit now i like i'm gonna be like Where's it? Where's it? Where's it? Right. Do I make the reference? So it's just interesting. I've never been able to prove it, but if anyone else has, please let me know. It's kind of like the yellow car or like red car theory where it's like, yeah, you'll see a red car every day if you're looking for a red car. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So perhaps it is one of those things. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's a good, that's a good point. Well, we made one, so <laughs> we just reset the counter to zero for everybody for their... You know, last time I heard a Wizard of Oz reference. <laughs> there you go. We give you a freebie, guys. This is your freebie. This episode is not about the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but boy, don't you wish it was. Yeah. Wouldn't that have made a lot more sense to do as an intro? Listen, we go with what we feel like <sighs> we are on a boat. We we go with the waves. We follow where life leads us. Try harder, Alan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen Aaron (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about pirate AU's friends yeah that's why I'm throwing in all these awful nautical references the ship to end all ships we're all on the boat together now oh god never do that again (laughs) if I hear that one more time from a celebrity I'm going to puke oh god it's truly the worst Ellen, I don't need to hear about how you're boarding your fucking $10 million house. I need you to shut up. Not in this Pride Month. Thank you. <laughs> no, don't do not in my me. Pride Month. Not my Pride. <laughs> no, not about it. Anyway, we don't have to go down that path because it just will legitimately make me angry. But mm-hmm. we are talking about pirates and pirates AUs. And I'm thrilled by this because I love pirate AUs. I think they're so fun. I think it's rare that you find a good one. So when you do find a good one, you got to like lean in and Accurate. like download that shit and save it forever because Accurate. Ooh, it is hard to pull off well, but when it is done well, mwah, chef's kiss. It's perfect. While we're here, Aaron, why don't you tell me what to you is like what makes up the recipe to a really good pirate AU? Oh. Or what do you look for in a good pirate AU? It is all about the world building. Yeah. Like, that's very it is important. all about the world being built there. Like, there are different types of pirates. There are different historical eras that you can place pirates in. It could be modern. It could be historical. I don't care. But I have to, like, really fully understand the world in which these characters live. And I want it to be, like... Pirates are about, like, swashbuckling yeah. adventure. I want there to be drama. I want there to be <laughs> angst. I want there to be Dear Lord. a sword fight. I want there to be at least one sword fight. And yeah. so help me God, if you don't make out on a sail somewhere, I'm going to be so angry. <laughs> but it's, like, it's so heightened, right? Like, pirate AUs. And, yeah. like, anybody who came of age during Pirates of the Caribbean era, it's so that 
high drama, like high storytelling romance, yeah. like fanciful. Like I want to be like swept on this adventure with these characters. You almost hear like the the background so- the, the background songs to Pirates of the Caribbean. I want a goddamn sea shanty. <laughs> <laughs> I want a sea shanty. Give it to me. Yeah, that's so, re- that's really good. I would agree with all of that. Yeah. So who do you, who wants to start? I think you have to start, Aaron. What did I send you? <laughs> you sent me a pirate AU fic uh-huh. called Kamikaze. Yep. From an orphan account. Yeah. So we can't give credit, unfortunately, but it is an orphan account. It is a Dan and Phil uh, thing. Fanfic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the word. Yep. That's what we talked about. <laughs> that, is what, that is what the show's about. And the summary reads... For most pirates, the Isle of Riches would sound very appealing. Not for Dan, who got too close to it and witnessed its secrets. Months later, he gets himself taken prisoner aboard Phil's ship. He's obnoxious, flirty, and generally a pain in the ass to all on board. But when he gets injured and is forced to let his guard down, Phil finds that Dan isn't all that he makes himself out to be. I don't want to be an asshole. <laughs> I did not care. I did. I know. Well, this is who I am as a person. I've also <laughs> just eaten, so perhaps I will be kind. I don't think so, though. <laughs> I was not thrilled with this fic. I get that. The story at its core is basically it starts with Dan living kind of like rough and tumble on the streets of some port side town. He was a pirate. His crew went to go find the Isle of Riches, but he had information or knew that they were going to like, they got, he got some sense that it was a bad idea, abandon ship, and they all died. So now he's like living with this guilt or whatever. And then he decides to go steal some food from Phil's pirate ship and gets taken prisoner and made to do chores. Mm-hmm. And that was where I learned very quickly that I was going to be disappointed by the terms of this fic. <laughs> it read as really young to me. Okay. And it was very like, well, like Phil has this whole moment of like, well, crew, what are we going to make him do? And everyone was like, maybe he should have to like walk the plank or maybe he should have to like do a stupid dance or something. And someone was like, make him do chores. And they were like, yeah, that's the worst possible thing that we could do. And I was like, are you seven? You can't, you, okay, I, usually I wait for your reviews to end, but you can be serious. Like, that's clearly because of the character. That's how Phil is. Then... The fact that I do not watch Dan or Phil YouTube videos was a serious problem. Yeah, it, it's just so interesting to me that, that that's you like you you would read that and think, oh, someone literally doesn't know what pirates do. Like, oh, okay. It's not that they didn't know what pirates do. It's just the stakes were never high. And like, yeah, that's like fair. I, just said, I will give you that. I yeah, I want pirate use to be a little dangerous and this was so sanitized like there was never a moment of real danger sure like that to me is disappointing and that's not to say that this is like poorly written or anything like that it just really did not fulfill the terms of what i wanted from a pirate au yeah and i oh like i pretty much exclusively come to pirate au for the like the element of danger the potential for angst the potential for you know some really high tension drama and this just never had that so it was like I was reading it and I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine. To continue on. So Dan, basically it's a three-part, pretty short fic. Yes. Dan becomes a prisoner aboard the pirate ship and is made to like do chores and stuff. And then during that process, he sort of flirts with Phil and is kind of a little pain in the ass, as the summary would imply. Although even that was fairly like 
It was very chipper. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And then he like snooped around a little bit. And then there was a fight between them and another pirate ship. And Dan happened to acquire the second half of the map to the Isle of Riches. Phil has the first half of the map. And Dan knows that because he was snooping around. But the other half comes to Dan during this fight and he finds it. And then he sort of like turns it over in a moment to like barter his freedom. So he's allowed to stay with the pirate crew, but he is no longer like, you know, actually a prisoner. Like he doesn't have to sleep in the hold anymore or anything like that. So then they decide they're going to go to the Isle of Riches and it's fine. Um, At one point, Dan gets a concussion and he's like hurt and Phil puts him in his cabin and like takes care of him. And Mm -hmm. they're just like looking into each other's eyes. And Dan talks about how blue his eyes are all the time. Because they're like the sea. so many seas. Because it's like the sea, Aaron. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) yeah. And I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. Sure. (sighs) Fine. I have to be on board with this because I have to read this. Then... Uh, Dan opens up about having abandoned his crew and how he feels really responsible for that and how, like, you know, they had been going to the Isle of Riches and he's worried about Phil. And then basically, like, Dan opens up completely about, you know, what had happened to him and, like, why he didn't he didn't go with them and then they died. He felt really responsible for it. And Phil was like, well, thank you for telling me. Like, I'm kind of glad you got hurt because we would have never had this conversation if you hadn't. Yeah. And Dan's like, yeah. And then they kind of, like... They start to get a little, like, romancy, but then they, like, the moment falls apart or whatever. And they're very clearly, like, heading towards some kind of romance. And then... <laughs> so Dan is like, so the crew of my last ship died because it's a really shallow trip to the Isle of Riches. And Phil's like, well, why don't we just take small boats? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, guys, how is he the first person to think of this? <laughs> How? No one ever thought of it. How? But it's also like no one knew. Dan knew because he had made the journey before. I didn't get that. Well. Like, <laughs> it was presented without the sort of, like, drama, like, the narrative. It was just kind of like, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. So, like, I was sure. at it. So then it feels like, all right, small boats. And Dan's like, cool, good idea. And then they go to a bar, and the bartender's like, no one's thought of small boats before. It's a good idea, though. Good job. <laughs> so they go get the boats from the man who sells the boats and then phil decides oh they go back to their cabin and they make out and they're drunk so they pass out before anything really happens and then in the morning dan is like oh no bad news bears (laughs) but phil is like i'm good i mean i'm hung over his shit but like it's cool and then dan's like i'm gonna run (laughs) like i gotta go bye and then phil catches up with him eventually and Dan's like, I'm sorry I ran. I'm sorry I ran. And Phil's like, I want to stay. You should stay with me. You don't have to run. And then Phil is like, I told the crew to go ahead of me, without me to the Isle of Riches because I needed to come find you and I had more something more important. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no good pirate captain would ever have been in their crew, but continue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are laws of the sea, Alan. <laughs> he did not follow them. Sure. And then what I'm learning today is that you apparently are a pirate. You know so much. Yeah. So <laughs> the last sort of scene of it is them nine months later. They are together. They're having a grand old time. And Dan is like, do you regret not having gone to the Isle of Riches? And Phil's like, no, it turned out that it wasn't the Isle of Riches anyway. It, just that the food was rich. Nothing to do with money. And I'm like, this is profoundly stupid. <laughs> I, I wanted it to be a joke. Yeah, I, re- I really, really, really disliked the ending. Yeah. 
so it just it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling narratively for me and sure if we're talking about pirate AUs and talking about world building there's virtually no world building in this yeah like it's mostly just like there's a port town it's relying on your stereotypes of pirate stories to fill in the blanks right and presumably your understanding of these two people which i have none of so it did not resonate for me in a good way and i really did not enjoy my time reading this fanfic perhaps it is good that it's an orphan account because <laughs> um, i don't want to be a jerk but this did not this did not meet my very high expectations for pirate AUs. evidently i think this has happened a few times because so when we choose tags we don't we don't talk about like oh what do we look for because i feel like it's limiting and also aaron is trying to please aaron is just like gonna be the death of me so i just don't want to know but this this comes from a place of like you have very specific like this is what a pirate AU is and I was like oh please yes, tell yeah, I didn't me go there this isn't the fic that you wrote because <laughs> you're gonna do that to me someday and I no would be I know I detested that ending I would never absolutely not good I that's was like, hilarious I so I don't think this is yours no but if it was I would have been so upset <laughs> that would have been hilarious no I I could let okay. So I agree with all of everything you said, minus the whole, the thing I've already addressed with mm-hmm. Phil. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was very narratively strong. Really detested the ending. Again, I read a, quite a few pirate AUs. I think I would have had more luck if I had made the decision to actually delve into like the novel length fix, mm-hmm. of which there are many. Here's my thing. Most times, I don't really enjoy world building. <laughs> to me, I'm like, I get it, but I'm much more about the plot and about how the characters interact with that world. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy world building in that sense. But to me, a lot of times, like, world building becomes, like, Lord of the Rings, mm. where it's like, oh, and then we reference this, and we reference this deity, and then we reference the the old tale of... And it's like, oh, my God, that's just so much. And so I, I just couldn't... I didn't have it in me to, like, read an 85,000-word fic about pirates. I just... I realized as I was reading, I was like, wow, I guess I don't... I guess I just don't like pirates as much as I thought I did. Mm. Like, I like it as a as a premise. It's just, to me, I'm like, meh. Interesting. Yeah. This is going to be one of those disappointing tags, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those ones where we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> well. I hope you like the one I sent you. Should we move on to that? Um, I didn't. Or do you have any last well, thoughts about this? Well, I didn't this? rate this yet. Oh, you have to rate it. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry, but this is a one out of five. Yeah. That's fair. Um, this perhaps would be better for somebody who really likes Dan and Phil and is willing to overlook some of the narrative elements of it because they're just enjoying their life and want to read about and can really picture them in these roles. Yeah, this definitely falls into that thing we were talking about last time where it's like the Barbie dolls and you're just like, kiss, 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 kiss. Yep, which is fine. Yeah. It's just not for me, yeah. which is totally cool. But for me, it's a one out of five because I just, yeah. That's absolutely fair. Cool. So on that, kind of sad note (laughs) what did i send you alan sure so aaron sent me let me just pull it up a fic titled salt water by m to the destiel destiel yeah destiel um which is a reference to supernatural the tv show that's what i figured but i had no clue this is an archive of our own and it (laughs) (laughs) ladies and gentlemen folks we we made it it counted one episode before the magicians <laughs> made an appearance. We, we you had, told me I could have one. Someone can can someone go to the? It's been 
one day since the since a magician fanfic appeared sign and just ripped that one off we're back to zero yep we are fully back to zero i'm fully back on my bullshit and i regret nothing (laughs) (laughs) yes indeed this is another quelliot fic the summary reads elliot waugh is a pirate king looking for a doctor to serve on his ship quentin coldwater is a doctor although he's more of a naturalist than a surgeon he's about to be offered a new job I fucking loved this. It was so good. I (laughs) loved it. And as I read this, I was like, oh, she's going to hate me. I was like, as I was reading, I was like, oh, I understand now where her bar is for this. And I I wasn't close. So and it's high. (laughs) It's real fucking high. (laughs) Absolutely. This is yeah, this has everything you you talked about. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Uh Yeah. So kind of a, a brief overview. We start off with Elliot and his ship, which is called it'll make sense it's a show thing oh fuck me <laughs> well then can you just tell me because it's don't the know white it spire white sh- oh white spire that's right yeah so elliot is the high king of the white spire and we begin our story with the white spire having having taken over the hms ellsworth mm-hmm. which is a smaller ship in which quentin has been just kind of existing in like a a lower cabin of some sort he's a doctor but he's not being really used because he's a naturalist you you know which means he basically uses natural remedies and herbs and all that kind of stuff as opposed to um, chemical medicines so the story begins there and it happens that so this is this is the one thing i was kind of confused about was someone finds quentin and they're like is your last name Coldwater, and he's like yeah i'm quentin Coldwater," and then the pirate is like we got him and so elliot comes and he's like great hey uh i need a doctor <laughs> so here's your options uh you either stay on the ship and sink or you come on my ship and be my doctor and then possibly die later but who knows if you do a good job maybe <laughs> maybe we don't kill you maybe we don't kill you and <laughs> so quentin does what every um rational human being would do and goes on the boat also when hale appleman is asked hale appleman in full pirate regalia is telling you hey you want to come be on my ship you you go (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) the things i would give for hale appleman in a like a pirate movie i'm not proud (laughs) listen i get it i absolutely get it so Quentin goes um, and we kind of start to figure out some things about him and that he's been in mourning for two years because his fiance Alice uh, died. And so he's been kind of very uh, numb, as though he describes it, very like kept to himself and hasn't really been living. And we, we understand as a, as a reader that this is his uh, mental illness taking hold. And so he starts his practice aboard the White Spire and none of the pirates trust him. Like, none of them want to take his medicine. They're like, "Eh, don't touch me. And Quentin is like, listen, I need to set this bone or it's going to grow crooked and you're going to be in pain. So shut the fuck up and come here. Yeah, let me, let me do the thing. He's not that furious. Right. Well, he's also very gentle. Like, he's a quiet dude. So he's yeah, just he's like, very please, quiet, but, please. But he's also kind of snarky. I, one thing I really appreciated about Quentin here is that he kind of stood up for himself pretty immediately, though. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, I get it. Like, I'm new and all this stuff, but I need to do this because that's my job as a doctor. So, mm-hmm. like, he was very no-nonsense, which I really liked about this Quentin. I was like, ooh, yes, we love her. He, he knows his shit. And he knows he knows it too. Yeah, 
And so Quentin and Elliot started a rapport where everyone basically refers to Elliot as um, my king or captain or some sort of, you know, honorific. And <laughs> Elliot tells Quentin, when you are in my stateroom, you may call me Elliot. Mm-hmm. You know, we are we are people, which is like first sign of like, mm, well, oh. And it definitely comes from this thing where Quentin is like pretty convinced he's going to die at every corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like He's like, oh, I'm going to get killed for you know putting the something wrong in the wrong cabinet or something like i'm gonna you know really just like fuck up and be dead at at any time and elliot's like no like that that's not what meeting the king's justice means you need to chill out yeah we're just two dudes (laughs) we're we're just dudes being dudes (laughs) but also i'm still your king so like yeah yeah you can't this can't go too far but like that's where that comes from it also comes from a point of quentin not really understanding how he was brought on like in what capacity he was like oh am i a prize like at one point elliot is like oh we're i'm uh we're gonna go celebrate you should come after all you were the big prize today and quentin is like oh great Got glad to know like how what my capacity is here, Captain. And Elliot is like, wait, shit, no, fuck. Uh, and so, but of course he doesn't say that because he's a captain. You know, he's king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we have a nice like chapter and a half of Elliot just being like, man, I really fucked up that first conversation with Quentin. Yep. And it's just so funny. We kind of have uh we have Margot as his queen, uh, the Blood Queen, mm-hmm. which is amazing. She has an eye patch. She she lost an eye. Is that canonical yes that is from the show so in the show she loses an eye to the fairies basically the way it's very much like fairy lore there's a situation where she needs to make a deal with the fairies and they take one of her Mm. eyes as payment okay cool i was just like "Hmm, interesting but great good to know if it's somehow or we just really want summer bushel and an eye patch (laughs) listen (laughs) i was here for i was here for the eye patch i was just like is this a creative choice or is this canonical it was canonical now i know yeah we dash forward a little bit. Quentin is still very, like, butthurt about the whole being a prize, you know, being a possession, which is fair. Elliot is asking Todd, which this was this was a, the thing that I was like, because mm, Elliot hates Todd, doesn't he? Yeah. Which which was not, there was no animosity here. And then usually... I was willing to overlook it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen, listen, I know, I know, but I'm, I'm going through it and these are my little complaints. Okay. My little, like, nitpicks. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I've, I've read enough. I've been around the block. I've read enough magicians fanfic to know that... Elliot does not like Todd in any iteration. So this was like very interesting that they were like chummy chummy. I mean, because Todd is his like, his, his one of his men. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so Elliot is checking in with Todd like, hey, how's he doing? And Todd is like, well, the men still don't trust him. But, you know, in fact, there's someone in there with him now who is like got hurt earlier today, like pulled his back or something and he's refusing to take the medicine. So Elliot goes down there. And he, he walks in on, on Quentin being like, look, I can't make you take it, but it's going to hurt. And this is going to make it so much easier. And so Elliot basically is like, listen, give me that bottle. And he drinks it. And he's like, all right, now let's talk for 15 minutes. And if I don't die, if I haven't been poisoned, then you'll be fine. And the, the pirate is like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. And they talk for 15 minutes about, you know, shooting the shit. And then once they've, like, established that Quentin is not trying to poison anyone, the pirate takes the medicine gratefully and is hauled away. And so that's kind of like... Does Quentin be like, hey, thanks for that, you know? Because Quentin really wants to build that trust with people where he can do his fucking job. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Then after that, and we throughout this whole thing, we kind of have Quentin and Elliot, like, stealing furtive glances from each other. Like, oh, he's staring at me. Look down. And so forth. So just sprinkle those in throughout everything. We cut to Idri mm-hmm. and his ship coming in. <laughs> onto the white spire and like it's like oh idri and elliot go and negotiate things while margot and idri's son 
have like a whole ass duel and like they sit at a table and they like actually iron out the numbers while Idri and Elliot are just fucking <laughs> in Elliot's cabin. Bless. But yeah, uh, I mean, so that happens. And so Quentin is now like having very naughty dreams about Elliot. And I mean, aren't we all? It's just this whole mess. <laughs> truly, 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 truly. Please tell me you're not going to skip over maybe my favorite scene of this whole fic. Well, hang on. I don't know if you'll... Oh, well, fine. I guess uh, <laughs> great. Um, so shortly after Idri and the Lorians leave the White Spire, Elliot is in a great fucking mood. He's had banging sex for the first time in God knows how long. And so he's like, one morning, Quentin comes out and he sees, um, Elliot basically sword fighting with every one of his fucking men. Like, come on, who's next? Come on up. And like, all of them are like, oh, ha, ha, ha. it's really, it's actually really cute and endearing. There's Matthews, this older pirate who gets his ass handed to him. And Elliot's like, ah, oh, you almost had me. And Matthews is like, no, not at all. And he's like, and Elliot is like, well, you know, you can't blame me for trying to build morale. Yep. It's really great. And then he sees Quentin and he asks Quentin, oh, so what, what training do you have? And oh, hang on. They've, they've got this really great uh, double entendre moment, mm-hmm. right? I live for a homoerotic <laughs> sword fight in Pirate AU because, oh my God, <laughs> it is so good. Oh, yeah. So um, Elliot finishes like beating matthew's ass and and he looks at quentin and says did you enjoy the bout doctor and quentin says oh you're very good captain (laughs) and elliot replies well crossing blades has always been a pastime near and dear to my heart and he winks as he says it (laughs) then quentin poor baby quentin tries his best to like also be like me too and says i have no doubt I learned to fence as well in school. Mm-hmm. And the, the double entendre doesn't really land, but it does tell Elliot that Quentin has some sword training. And so this leads into a what is described as a pretty even battle, but apparently ends up just being Elliot kicking ass anyway. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> And of ends with Elliot's sword up against Quentin's neck as, he, as his chest is pressed behind his back. <sighs> swoon <laughs> and then elliot as murmurs into quentin's ear do you yield <laughs> and quentin like grins and says never <laughs> and it's like ah, what like listen i think in this fic particularly quentin is has like a backbone that i haven't that i don't really see in other fics like right off the bat and i loved it i was here for it they were on even playing fields like they were equals and i was like yes 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 it was good yeah yeah that was a really good moment great i was really i was gonna be really sad if we didn't talk about the homoerotic uh <laughs> sword because holy shit did i love that scene <laughs> yeah then we have some scenes with him and margo talking about how elliot really wants to sleep with quentin or really wants quentin and margo just, just being like just do it and elliot being like i can't and margo being like okay well i'm going home because i can't hear you bitch anymore which is very on brand for margo yeah so Elliot's going to go to bed, and he shares a very thin wall with uh, Quentin's uh, cabin. And so as he's go- laying down to go to bed, he hears, like, soft moaning from the other side of the of the wall. And Elliot just presses his ear up to the wall, like, what is it? And so he hears Quentin moaning Alice, and he's like, oh, okay, cool. And then right after that, moaning the end of Elliot's name, so Liet. <laughs> and then, you know, he- you hear some moaning, and Elliot is like, he's dreaming about me, he's dreaming about me. And then Quentin wakes up, and you hear him masturbate. And then it just sparks this whole moral dilemma for Elliot, who 
wants to get with Quentin, but is afraid that Quentin thinks that he would have to sleep with Elliot because he's the king. Mm -hmm. Which is like, "Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Especially because you fucked up on your first interaction and called him your prize. Mm -hmm. Hot tip, everyone. People don't like it when you refer to them as property. Right. Weird how that works. (laughs) Says the one who loves all this possessive shit. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. We won't go there. We don't have to worry about it today, Alan. We don't have to therapize ourselves today. We can just talk about fanfic. It's true. Yeah, so then we move forward like a week or so and Quentin has really gotten the hang of it. He's like going to dice games on Tuesday nights. Like he's getting the hang of it. People know him and they're trusting him a little more. And that's when it happens. Um, They just got like a mark and they've got this whole loot that they've gone through. And it's basically all really fancy fruit. And he's outside, like, drawing the fruit because that's that's his research, kind of figuring out what the medicinal properties of uh, plants are. And he hears, like, a commotion and he runs over and he finds out that one of the sailors, one of the pirates has uh, started to convulse and isn't getting air. And so Quentin is like, fuck, all right, someone give me, like, a round tube straw thingy, the smallest thing you can find immediately in a knife. And so he performs an emergency tracheotomy, which is like, holy shit. And he's freaking out. And they get some air going through him, but not enough because he realizes that what's happening is the the pirate is allergic to the fruit he just took a bite out of. Mm -hmm. And presumably this is a timeline in which... Uh, they don't know that people are like people are just born with aversion to f- uh, to fruits and to food because they don't say oh he's allergic they, he's, they're just like he was born with this condition that he can't eat that particular fruit so there was no way of saving him because he was going into anaphylactic anaphylactic shock and the pirate like understands what's happening and like gives away like his trinket like a little necklace uh, to another pirate and it's like oh like another pirate gets it it has to go to his daughter and it's like this really sweet moment where everyone's like you know at least it wasn't like at the end of a rope and something like that you're surrounded by your friends and it's wonderful well, not wonderful um a man but it's is really dead, touching Alan. <laughs> <laughs> i meant touching i meant touching <laughs> it's a really touching moment but then that really triggers quentin's whole moment of like i couldn't do anything a man died because i couldn't do anything and he starts to just spiral 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 and part of it is that like he thinks that elliot is not going to find him useful anymore and is going to kill him Mm -hmm. Uh, that's part of it and he's like i don't know that i can live with seeing elliot like not smile at me or like to see elliot's cold eyes after i've known how warm they can be so this is a, actually a good moment to give a content warning because this is going to get pretty heavy and we're going to talk about some uh, suicidal ideation um, now. So if that's something that is triggering to you or you don't feel comfortable listening to, skip ahead uh, a few, like, four or five minutes and we'll see you, in the, we'll see you on the other side. So this triggers um, his suicidal thoughts. And so Quentin, like, starts writing, like, sorry notes to Elliot and, like, to Todd, who, like, he was saying, like, oh, thanks for being really kind to me and... And ends up not being able to write anything. He sits in his cabin for hours until the sun sets. It's evening, fully evening, and he just hasn't moved. His neck hurts. He's, like, full-on panicking. He takes his boots off, and he leaves them there because he's like, well, no no use uh, wasting a good pair of boots. Someone else can use them. And he walks to a part of the, like, starboard and gets on the railing and is holding on to, like, literally six inches. He's standing on six inches of wood, on six inches of railing. And he's, like gearing himself up to jump when he just hears like tap 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 from behind him and all of a sudden it's Elliot like peeking over and like hey how you doing what's going on <laughs> being like super soft and like very nice and gentle and like approaching him like head down like hey 
please come down from there, you know? And he came out in, like, his, like, robe and barefoot. So it's clearly, like, someone warned him what was happening. He ran out. Mm -hmm. And he's able to talk Quentin down, thankfully. And Quentin, you know, tells him what happened with Alice, which is that... So he talks about how the pirate Thomas, who died, was born with this disease or with this condition inside of him. And he's like, and I kind of have something like that too, except it affects my brain. And it makes it so that things get numb and I can't, like, I can't control anything. Like, I just, I don't exist. And he was talking about how he was engaged to be married to Alice and he was excited about it, but he kept having these numb moments and he couldn't understand it because, you know, he was like, I I wanted that love would kind of fix it and it didn't. So he wanted to take like a a few days, like a day, a few day trip to just like clear his head. And Alice like begged to go with him. He's like, because she was like, hey, we're going to be partners. Please let me go with you. And he was like, no, I want to do this alone. Um, So he goes and then a few days later gets a a letter saying that Alice developed a really high fever. And unfortunately, no one caught it in time and she died. Mm -hmm. And he just really kicking himself because he's like, I should have noticed. Like I noticed she was really flushed when uh, we were having our last conversation. But I thought it was just because of the emotions. She wouldn't come out and see me when I left. But I thought that's because she didn't want to see me as opposed to she was too sick to get out of bed. And this is really like awful guilt that has been weighing him down. And you're like, wow, wow that's, that's a lot he's been dealing with. And you understand why uh, losing the pirate today really just took a toll on him. Mm-hmm. What I really, really appreciate was that Elliot didn't do that thing where people are like, hey, it's, it wasn't your fault. There's no way you could have known. There's nothing you could have done. He literally says, all right, fine then. It was your fault. And Quentin is so shocked. He's like, wait, what? And Elliot's like, listen, I have the blood of dozens of men on my hands. Why should I lie and say yours are clean when it isn't what you want to hear? And it's like, you might have saved her. You acted selfishly and you weren't there to do it. You have sinned against God, Quentin Coldwater. Shall I absolve you? And it's this really wonderful moment where you realize, like, Elliot really sees who Quentin is. And he isn't, like, putting up, like, any kind of facade around it. And it's so wonderfully touching. And, like, like, I cried. I was like, (laughs) no. Well, what I love about that moment, too, is that that's the moment where Quentin is like, that's not how it works. And Elliot's like right you're a doctor this is what happens like you can't hold on to this mm-hmm. and quentin's like well i can't let it go because it's not about reason or logic it's about this thing that's in my brain you know i'll always have this problem and he's like oh, this is the line that gets me and i want to talk about it but like, you know okay it's great. if that makes me useless to you he says tracing a knot on the board under his knees then go ahead and kill me and elliot says no i don't think i will and I just love that that's a turning point for their relationship where Quentin has been so afraid isn't the right word, but like he's been operating under this auspice of like, I am a prisoner. Mm -hmm. I am not of equal footing here as much as like Elliot tries to. And as soon as I become useless to him, I am good as dead. Yeah. And I think this is the moment where they reckon with that Mm -hmm. and have that moment of like we are for real two people who are having a real conversation and like being honest with each other in a very profound way and elliot gives him that opportunity to be like i i have no intention of harming you and he basically welcomes him into the fold Mm -hmm. in my opinion in this scene like this is when elliot is like no you're one of us yeah it's really it's really heartwarming so during this conversation um basically quentin asks hey like can you tell me why 
what happened to your last doctor? And Elliot's like, well, I killed him. <laughs> yeah, this does not actually, you know, help with the whole I'm not going to kill you thing, however. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right, well, poor example. I killed him. <laughs> yeah. You, you kind of find out why is that the old doctor. So they they had a really young sailor, like a stowaway or something that they found. Um, and he got really hurt during a mission or what do they call it? Like a like a, a pirating. Like a raid or a something. Sw- like a, yeah, like a swashbuckling thingy. <laughs> he got hurt. This 14-year-old boy got hurt. And so they sent him down to the doctor. And because he was 14, like everyone was like, he was like a baby. He was like a favorite, essentially. And so Elliot went down to, you know, check to see on how he was. And he found that the doctor had drugged him and had the 14-year-old boy like half undressed. Mm-hmm. And so he just killed him, you know brought him out to the whatever they call it the deck and just slit his throat yep and you probably don't you maybe don't know this but that character plover is the author of the fillery books in the show (laughs) and in season one quentin they discovered that he had been a pedophile oh no and that led to the creation of the villain in season one the beast who is martin jatwin and all this kind of stuff so Elliot just like mercilessly killing him was very great for anybody who watches the show because one of the shitty things about the show is that that character keeps coming back and he keeps surviving and they keep giving him like stuff to do in the show and like he pops up every once in a while and like for a show that really likes I'm gonna get really mad about it if I keep going into this but like for a show that's killed off basically all of their queer characters and like Mm -hmm. they always talk about how like Quentin's death is permanent and like nothing you know we have to deal with grief and like you know you don't get a second chance for them to keep bringing back the fucking pedophile character is enraging to the audience in a lot of ways so this moment of like oh well I killed him (laughs) was like very cathartic (laughs) that's fair yeah I can see that yeah anyway we don't have yeah but just so you know. Yeah, so basically Quentin now knows why no one would take his medicine because no one trusted him. And so, yeah, this is that whole passing of the torch. Like, hey, you're one of us now. But also Quentin is like, good for you for killing him. I wish he would made him suffer. Yeah. <laughs> and Elliot's like, cool. Great. <laughs> We're on the same page. Yeah. Then the following two weeks or so, everyone is just being like super attentive to Quentin where he has essentially no time, no free time. Everyone's like, hey, you want to come play cards on Thursday? Hey, can you help me like count these things? Hey, can you come try out this new recipe I'm developing? And Quentin goes to Elliot and he's like, hey, call off your people. <laughs> Stop. And Elliot's like, you're going to have to deal with the fact that they are fond of you. Yeah. And it's, it's like, a really nice moment where he's like, oh. Yeah. I haven't cool. asked them to watch you at all. Like, this is just them being like, hey, Quentin, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so sweet. It yeah. So then cut into Margot coming and be like, hey, can you help me take inventory of this new stock we got? And he's like, okay. And it's all clothes, like from a fancy nobleman or whatnot. Then they're going through things. And Margot finds this like really nice blue coat, essentially, for Quentin. She's like, hey, I'm tired of looking. Your your old rags are offending my royal eyesight, essentially. And this is a big moment because Quentin's coat it has like... um like a black lined collar and like black line it's a mourning jacket it's a mourning jacket yeah yeah which granted he's been in mourning for two years right. so it would you know make sense but this is a big moment because this is him being like i i'm actively moving on mm-hmm. so he takes the jacket from argo but he cuts off the cut uh, not the cuff the collar he cuts off the color of his morning jacket and then kind of sews it onto like a seam at the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, it's to remember, mm-hmm. you know, that that I'm moving on. And it's so sweet. And of course, it fits him beautifully. And it's like, it fits his complexion. And of course, Elliot can't take his eyes off him. And it's the best. That's a that's a fan fiction like trope that I just I will you can pry out of my cold dead hands. Mm-hmm. That's so good. It's so good. 
So we, then we kind of hit the denouement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, no, is, is denouement the last thing? Or is that the rising action? No, that's denouement is sort of the wind down. Oh, uh, yeah. Then I'm wrong. Uh, you, you, we get to like the, the inciting incident, what, what is leading up to the climax, the rising action, where we have <laughs> this new ship called the Our Lady Underground, which is technically part of the same kingdom as white spire like the king elliot is still like presiding over them but like they do their own thing like they do a different faction or whatnot and this is run by penny penny katie and julia Mm -hmm. because they're that throuple bless i love that ship (laughs) yeah it's amazing that ship the our lady underground ship no the penny katie well yeah you're hilarious (laughs) but penny katie and penny 40 specifically for show listeners penny 40 and katie and julia as a ship is like it's like god tier (laughs) incredible so the Our Lady Underground crew has come to ask Elliot for help because they finally hunted down this guy that they've been searching for. What's his fucking name? Reynard the Fox. Thank you. They finally found where Reynard the Fox is going to be. And so they're asking for backup, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so Elliot is like, of course, we'll do it. Um, is, do you want to throw in who Reynard the Fox is now? Sure. Reynard is also a villain from early on. He is a trickster god who, again, for content warning for sexual assault, he tricked Julia and her hedge coven into basically summoning him and then wound up m- murdering and cannibalizing her coven and sexually assaulting Julia and leaving her for dead. Dear Lord. Julia wound up pregnant from that assault and that was a major major part of her character arc she went on a revenge quest to get reynard and kill him and in that sort of process lost a lot and suffered a lot it's like it's a whole thing but it's a deeply traumatic storyline for julia like it is very very dark and it's very very traumatizing for her so to have reynard the fox be the thing that like they fight i was like even without explaining it, like anybody who's seen the show knows that like, yeah, of course, Elliot will throw down for Reynard the Fox. They all will. That is horrific. I know. I am, I cannot express how fucking glad I am that I never, ever, ever started watching this show because holy fuck. It's for the best. There's some shows like people describe things to me and I'm like, why do you put yourself through that? That sounds awful. That's how I feel about Game of Thrones, to be honest with you. It's like why I'll never watch Game of Thrones because it's so much. Um, Within the context of the show, I think... They handled that storyline as well as you could, something that's that graphic, but it is graphic and it's painful and it's it's dark. So yeah, if that's if that's not your jam, don't watch the show. I ain't gonna. But yeah, that's that's who Reynard the Fox is. Great. Um, back to our fic. Yeah, so <laughs> <Sorry>. our <laughs> lady underground really wants to take out Reynard the Fox, rightfully so. And yeah. <laughs> um Elliot is for sure like, yeah, we're gonna do that. And so they have this whole plan where the White Spire is going to because Reynard the Fox is now under, like, the protection of, like, a royal navy or something. So he has, like, a navy ship guarding his ship. So the White Spire is going to engage with the navy ship so that the Our Lady Underground can get to Reynard the Fox's ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the plan. And so we cut to Quentin, like, trying really, really fucking hard to, like, be prepared for all of the incoming, like, injuries and so forth. Um, and he's, like, counting his bandages. And, like, he's disinfecting every needle he has. And it's insane. I'm trying to see what that... Because they, they have a whole conversation right before. They do. They have that conversation about... Oh, yes. So, so Quentin is, like, counting his supplies or whatnot. And Elliot comes in um, all ready for battle and so forth. And he tells Quentin, hey, if you're captured by, like, a Royal Navy person, you are here as a prisoner. 
like do whatever you have to do to to survive and quentin is like extremely hurt by that because he this is like this is his adopted family now he like this is he's a part of this and he feels really hurt that elliot wouldn't like doesn't trust him or something or yeah i don't exactly know exactly what quentin's oh he thinks that elliot's being like patronizing yeah. and like is giving him permission to be a coward. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I'm glad you think so little of me that that's what I would do mm-hmm. to you and to the people that I care about. Yeah. It, and it's just really like a sad moment. Not sad moment, but it's like <sighs> miscommunication because clearly Elliot is just so panicked of, of like, the thought of losing Quentin yeah. that he's like, listen, you you were a prisoner here. I need you to survive because that's the only way I'll have peace of mind going into this battle. But of course, they don't say that because why would they? It's fan fiction. Right. So then the battle ensues and Quentin is doing his best and like, you know, getting people taken care of as much as possible. He's been given strict orders from Elliot not to leave his cabin. Like he's like, people will come to you and if they can't, then it's too late anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's really rough. And someone comes in and like, is like, hey, Matthews needs help, but he can't make it here. And Quentin is like, all right, let me grab my kid. Here I go. Yeah. He's like, fuck you, Elliot. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah, he takes stock of the of the patients he has around him. And he's like, all right, no one is going to like bleed out in the, in 20 minutes while I go do this. And he tells this guy, hey, just press, put pressure on that. I'll be back. And he runs out, finds Matthews. And Matthews is the one um, pirate that has been kind of mm, the most cool reception towards Quentin. Never fully explained that she's just like a curmudgeonly old man. He's like, me. Yeah, there's like a brief moment early on where Elliot is like, so how much shit is Matthews giving Quentin? Like, I want to give him shit, but like there comes a point. And Todd's like, it's fine. Like he's being no more of a snark, you know, than normal. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of known that he's a little curmudgeonly and likes to, you know, yeah. kind of poke the bear a little bit. Yeah, so that makes sense. And so he gets to Matthews out across on the deck and he sees that he, he has a, a, a fatal gunshot wound basically right underneath the ribs. And he's like, I can't help you, Matthews. And Matthews is like, fool, I didn't call you for my sake. And then he like gives him, he gives Quentin his sword and then points up to the mast where you turn and you see that it's Elliot by himself, basically fighting all these like uh, pirates that are coming up the fucking like net to him. Mm -hmm. And Quentin is like, "Uh uh-oh. And he runs up and he's like, ah. So then we cut to Elliot at the top of the mast, like fucking fighting people left and right. He loses his sword at one point because it gets lodged in someone's fucking throat or something and he's not able to pull it back before it falls. Mm-hmm. And so he takes his coat off and he has this moment where he, fl- he like lets it float into the ocean gently. And then he starts pulling out these fucking knives out of everyone. He's out of everywhere and he's like... Yep. It's really fucking cool. Eventually, though, because of all the fucking blood he spilt on that mast, he uh, just slips, loses his bearing, drops his final knife. Oh, no, he has one knife left. But he's lost his footing, and there's a officer right behind him who now has, like, his sword right at his the back of his neck. He's like, all right, turn around slowly. And Elliot tries to throw, like, that one knife back, but the officer's, like, too quick, and it's not working. And so we have this whole moment where the Navy officer is, like, gloating, and Elliot's like, you know, my pirates are down there, and they're ready to, like, just fuck you up if you, you, know, if you hurt me. And the Navy King's like, well, they're going to, the Navy guy's like, well, they're going to hurt me anyway. So I might as well like die with your blood on my blade. I'll, you know, I'll take some renown or something. And Elliot is fully like, well, this is not a bad way to die. I've done my duty. Holds out his arms like ready to go. And then just (laughs) fucking Quentin came from behind and stabbed this dude through the stomach. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow. There's the great moment where Elliot is like, Margo, you could not have come at a better time. And then turns around and it's fucking Quentin. And he's just like, (gasps) 
you. What are you doing up here? But also, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's literally like, oh, my God, you're okay. Or like, oh, thank you for that. And I'm like, what the fuck? I told you to stay in your cabin. Yeah. During that whole thing, it's essentially we know that the tide has turned for Elliot. Mm-hmm. Like, they are going to win. But Quentin had to save Elliot because Elliot was not going to win his personal fight. He was going to die. Right. And this fic kind of ends with, like, a big party, like, celebration that they're having afterwards of, like, having done this. And, like, they have a, a moment of silence for, like, Matthews and the other pirates that they have lost. And Elliot, like, offers up toast to everyone and offers up a toast to Quentin, who he calls his magician. Which was so cute. Um, for, like, popping up and saving him at the last moment. And everyone is, like... And fully embraces him and is like, yeah, good job, bud. And then um, <laughs> Elliot comes over and is like, you want to come to my cabin for some drinks? <laughs> and Quentin is like, ooh, perchance. Mm-hmm. He's just like, <laughs> and yep. They, <laughs> yep. And then they uh, they go to the cabin and they uh, they have some really uh, banging sex. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And it ends with the whole thing of Quentin not really knowing what. He's like, I don't know what we're going to do. Because technically, he has an agreement with Elliot that he's going to try this out for a year. Mm-hmm. And then Elliot would drop him off wherever he goes. And so Quentin is like, I don't know what's going to happen after a year. Like, clearly overthinking things. And Elliot's like, hey, let's just take it. Save tomorrow for tomorrow. How do you feel about setting a course for the unknown? And it's so, like, sweet and romantic. And you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. And that is it. Jesus Christ, Aaron. This is why you've got to stop sending magicians fix. The summaries always end up being so long. Uh Uh-huh. That's why we're only doing one tag per episode now. (laughs) Oh, my God. So that was the fic. It was wonderful. I think it is in the top three magician fix that you have sent me. Mm -hmm. It was really good. It was very well written. I felt like it meandered a few times. Like, it wasn't as uh, taut. Like, the storyline, the plot was not as taut as I would have liked it to be. But I also understand that it was very world building. Like it was very like world building in the sense of like where fan fiction does it so beautifully where they take these characters and they marry them into this alternative universe. And it's so beautiful to watch. Mm -hmm. So it's like a really small like, like, oh, if I had to pick at something. Mm -hmm. So fully like four and a half stars (gasps) for me. I loved it. It was so good. Okay. I'm so glad because I love this fic. I love this author. This author overall is, like, one of my favorites in the Magicians fandom. They Mm. write incredible quality fic. Um, They have another piece that I would highly recommend people read called Our Sublime Refrain that they wrote with another person. And that's set in sort of, like, (gasps) Mozart-era Germany. And Elliot is a virtuoso pianist a la Mozart. And Quentin is an incredibly skilled but unknown composer who has a hand injury and can't play. So he, like, gives his music to Elliot and they end up, like, falling in love and it's beautiful. And the thing that this author does really well and what their, all of their fics that are AU placement, historical AU specifically, do really well is that world building. And that's what I love about their writing is that it's impeccably researched and it's so full. Like, it's such a rich universe. And I'm really glad that you enjoyed this. This story does continue on. So they tend to write stories in acts. Our Sublime Refrain, the reason I haven't sent it to you and probably won't send it to you unless we do long fix is that it is super long because the acts were all in one thing. In this particular series, they're choosing to make it a series. So it's it's broken down into individual fix, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. But their storytelling is very long and very world focused and like... Oh, I live there. Like, I could not pick a different pirate fic once I read this. I was like, this is it. Like, this is the pirate fic for me. Yeah, there, I, I can't think of any better pirate fic, pirate fic for you unless Elmo himself was swashbuckling. Right. 
also like i've full disclosure like i know that i will be continuing to read quality fic and sending you Qualiet magicians fanfic season five was a clusterfuck and i choose to not believe that it's a thing sure <laughs> um, to me so it doesn't exist this fic takes a lot of the things that were very frustrating for fans of the show and really just it's like no holds barred like we're killing plover we're killing reynard we're like you know it's gonna be you know fuck all that shit like we're it's very redemptive nice. in a lot of ways which i value a lot and that's i live very firmly in fanfic magician world now one other thing that i wanted to mention which was kind of cool is that the magician's fandom it has always been very generous but one of the things that happened recently was the after hale appleman donated all of his proceeds that he made off of a virtual con through wizard world to queer covid relief a couple of people in the magician's fandom put together a fanworks auction called not alone here and the idea was okay we'll auction off custom fanfics custom edits custom like i'll make a fan vid or whatever it is so there was like 45 creators or something like that who auctioned off different pieces and this author was one of those people and i won that bid (laughs) (gasps) did you really i I did i wanted it really really badly because i had a very clear and i like so there were a couple of people that i i would have absolutely bid on hmg fanfic our good friend harriet Mm -hmm. i say that like i know her i don't i just comment on all of her we love you harriet we love hmg fanfic i love that woman so much her fic went for like well over 150 dollars yeah like people were willing to like drop some cash on a custom hmg fanfic because like of course right yeah I was like, I really want a Newsies AU. <laughs> oh my God. I am That's a simple bitch. Brilliant. Yeah. Listen, hey, I love it. Can I read it? Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's going to be posted. Like it's a thing. Yeah. So I, you know, so I read, I, I bid and won on this author's thing. Overall, that auction, you know, credit to the organizers on this raised uh, somewhere around $3,700, like like 30600 something mm-hmm. um, that went directly to queer COVID relief, which went directly to paying bills to people, like queer people in crisis due to coronavirus. And Hale Appleman, bless his little heart, like, I think that boy, like, broke when Aww. he heard about it. Because he went through and liked every single post connected to it. He went through and responded to people and, like, thanked people on Instagram. And, so like, nice. Gave the organizers a ton of credit, which they totally deserved. So, like, I I kind of wanted to send this to you because I have that AU coming and I wanted to talk about how cool fandom can be. Yes. And, like, how cool fan culture can be when we're do- using it for good because that was a really fucking cool thing and it wasn't the first time that there had been like a fan works auction or anything like that that wasn't like a new concept but you know the magician's fandom has raised a lot of money for different charities over time and like mm-hmm. that's really cool to me that people can use their talent for fanfic which is a hobby yeah and yield this really cool shit like raising a bunch of money for queer people i'm in awe of what fandom can do when it puts its mind to it because it's a really powerful force agreed yeah that is so wonderful i'm so happy yeah that's that's so heartwarming i'm so glad yeah so everyone should read m to the destiel's uh fanfics including uh upcoming an upcoming newsies (laughs) au yeah which i am screaming about like I'm just really excited about it. So that's so awesome. I'm really excited to read it and for you. I'm so glad that you partook. I'm screaming. And thank you to everybody who participated in that auction or any of the times that the Magicians fandom has raised money for any cause. Like, thank you to fandom for like giving a shit because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's really it's seen as very like nerdy or like ridiculous to like be passionate about things. And it could seem really crazy to like spend real money on a fanfic, right? Yeah. But 
it is such a profoundly like unifying thing and it's a wonderful thing to experience fandom like coming together as a group of people and like thank god that we are all passionate and like fun and have these creative talents and like want to do good with them amen i think that's you know that's the end i think that we cannot top that yay what a wonderful (laughs) note to end this on and we started off so rocky and now here we are started from the bottom now we hear smooth sailing (laughs) i need you to leave it's not so fun when the tables are turned (laughs) how the turntables how the turntables i feel like i say that every time all right well thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to us uh review all these amazing fanfics once again aaron if they want to keep in contact with us where can they find us somewhere i don't know great so you can just kind of google us and figure it out um <laughs> well i know well, i know for sure we are on twitter we are on the um, Twitter. we are we are on tumblr although aaron does not update it we are on instagram we are on facebook we don't post often but if that's the easiest way for you to guys for you guys to get in contact with us we will check it yep please let us know if you have any tag recommendations or any fic recommendations we are in desperate need as as evidenced by the last hour we just spent on the magicians again we're here again i regret nothing i don't care no listen it was wonderful but we we are really wanting to branch out and like try other fandoms so please let us know what you want us to read and review for sure yay (laughs) yay another one done another one bites the dust (laughs) We don't have the rights to that. Oh. Bummer. Bye. Bye.